Hello and welcome to the Everything Phil Collins podcast. Thank you so much for listening and I encourage you to subscribe if you enjoyed this week's episode. I also want to let you know that these podcasts are actually taken from our YouTube channel and you can find out more about our YouTube videos by going to everythingphilcollins.com where you'll get a link to watch all of our videos there as well as some of the other cool stuff that we have on our website, everythingphilcollins.com. But I just wanted to let you know that this was originally a YouTube video and it's released at the same time on YouTube as it is to all the podcast hosts. And so when I'm talking about certain visuals or if I'm holding something up to the camera, you might be missing out on that. So if you want to watch these episodes as videos, go to everythingphilcollins.com or just enjoy today's podcast episode. Hello and welcome to a new episode today. My name is Scott, just for today, but all of the time. We're going to talk about gated reverb and how did it become, first of all, what is it? What does it sound like? And how did it become synonymous with Phil Collins? This is going to be a very fun episode. I'm very excited. I'm going to show you what it sounds like. Uh, what Phil Collins and Genesis songs it was used on. This is going to be a great episode. So please subscribe if you want me to keep going. Otherwise, I'm just going to I'm just going to wait. I'm going to stay here and I'm going to wait unless you subscribe. I see that one. Thank you. Keep going. So here's what we're going to talk about today. What is gated reverb? What does it sound like? What is the history of it? Why is it synonymous with Phil Collins? What Phil Collins and Genesis songs was it used on and how is it used in today's modern music? So let's first of all talk about what it is. Okay, so you have to think about, first of all, gated reverb. Okay, so there's two effects that's being processed to a signal. There's the reverb and then there's the gate. Well, what is a gate? A gate is a metaphor, but it's a dynamics processing tool. And, and today we have them as just a standalone plugin. And they're also available as like a rack mount effects unit, guitar pedals. You can buy a gate for a guitar pedal. And they're also available on consoles like the SSL console that uh, Phil Collins used. And so we'll talk about that in a second. But a gate is basically the gate only opens when the sound source, like a vocal or a snare or a tom, reaches a certain threshold. The gate will then open, allow the sound to go through. So the sound from the microphone hits the gate. The gate opens if it reaches a certain threshold and then continues. And then as the sound decreases or like if you hit a snare and then it starts to dissipate, the waves start to dissipate, then the gate closes and you can determine when that gate should close, at what volume level that gate should close, and how quickly it should close. And so that's what a gate is. And so gated reverb is basically we apply today, it's all mostly artificial, but we apply generous reverb to a sound source like a snare. So we apply this big reverbic sound like it's in a cathedral or it's in a big, great studio room. And this big, loud, uh, and what reverb does is basically adds more to the sound source because the sound source is, is, is bouncing off of all the walls and we're hearing it from different angles. And then we instruct the gate it to close at, at like a really, really conservative volume level. And so instead of letting that snare ring out in the gymnasium or ring out in a, in a, a big Abbey Road studio, we actually tell the gate to close really quickly. And so we we hear the snare, it's super loud and bombastic, and then we tell the gate to close right away. And so it actually almost sounds staccato, but with this, this super big tail that we chop off at the end. Here's how I like to think of it. This is not gonna make any sense to you. I think of like a regular snare hit as like a McDonald's patty, but a gated snare hit is like a fat, juicy, homemade hamburger patty that's super thick. And maybe I'm just hungry and that's not going to make any sense to you. But let's talk about this and I'm going to show you uh, and I'm going to I'm going to let you hear what a big fat juicy 
snare sounds like and what a, just a normal snare sounds like. So I've got this um, RD9, which is a new version of like a 909, which would have been used on Take Me Home. <clears throat> and I think it was demoed. Uh, I think it was used a little bit on uh, both sides as well. So here, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a snare sound out of here and I'm going to put it into this 90s uh, multiverb down here. And so you can see the, the setting. I should have moved my wires, but it says gated reverb. Can you see that? So that's a preset that came with it. Now it's bypassed, so you're not going to hear it at the beginning. So there's a the snare with it bypassed. Now I'm going to turn it on. Hear how it adds that reverb that cuts it off. I'm going to exaggerate the reverb. So right now I just have it at maybe like 20%, 30%. I'll turn it off and back on. That's what it sounds like. So in that example, you can actually hear, and we're using something that is like an artificial gated reverb because it was so popular in the 80s that a lot of plugins and tools in the 90s and uh, the, the 2000s would just create a preset to give you that sound quickly. So what you heard in this example is, and I'll show you a visual, you can see here that the the the, the thin uh, transients is the snare without the effect. And then when we add the gated reverb, we can see how it has a bigger, thicker tail to it. And so that's the McDonald's patty versus the homemade hamburger patty. I'm starving now. So now you know what it sounds like. Now you know what it is. Let's talk about the history of how we got gated reverb. So the story goes that in approximately 1979, Peter Gabriel was working on his third solo album, which would eventually be referred to as Melt. And the title, the first track on this record is a song called Intruder. And Phil Collins came into these sessions and played drums on a few of the tracks. And one of the tracks he played drums on was a song called Intruder. At the time, it wasn't a song at all. In fact, Peter Gabriel just said to Phil, start playing the drums, play something. I don't know if you gave him a tempo. I don't know if you gave him an idea. One of the things that was very clear was that Peter Gabriel didn't want any symbols at all used in the sessions, which is very interesting and kind of leads us to where we come to these super dry, bombastic drum sounds. But initially, Peter said no symbols on the recording. And so Phil goes in and basically lays down three or four minutes or more of him just playing an interesting beat. And then Peter was going to write a song, and he did. He wrote a song called Intruder based off of Phil's beat, which is really cool and something that was not really normal back then. Today, that happens a lot more frequently where we would basically just kind of put a nice little bed down and we'll write a song to that. But back then, that was kind of strange. So here, Phil lays down these drum sounds. Okay, so they're recording at this place called Townhouse Studios in London, which no longer exists, sadly. What's happening is we have Hugh Padgham, who at the time was just an engineer. He's not a producer at this point. An engineer is just someone who dials in knobs and works on compressors and all the equipment and sets up mics and that kind of thing. So Hugh is working on the recording console, this big board. And so the way studios would work, sorry if I'm being pedantic here, but this is important. So the way studios would work is you'd have a control room where Hugh would be and the big recording console, right? Then you'd have a glass window and then that would look into the live room and those two rooms are separated and you should not be able to hear into each room without a microphone or headphones. And so you'd have a live room or a drum room or a bunch of live rooms. And so at Townhouse Studios, they installed these microphones that they hung from the ceiling because a recording console has what's called a talkback mic. And so 
the mix engineer or the producer who's sitting behind the desk can push a button and speak into a little, uh, you know, a little gooseneck mic and say, talk to the musicians and say, try that take again, or you're flat or you're out of time, blah, blah, blah. And the musicians would then hear it in their headphones where they're hearing the backing tracks that they're playing along to. But there wasn't always an opportunity for people in the live room to speak back and to, to have a two-way conversation with the engineers and the producers. And so Townhouse uh, installed these super cheap microphones that they would just place in the live rooms at various, I think there was maybe two or three of them. And they were just crappy microphones that they had lying around that they had no intent on using. And they hung them from the ceilings. By the way, one of these microphones was taken down before Townhouse was was um, taken out of business and, and moved to another studio where in London, where it is actually in a glass case because it's kind of a histor historical thing. But anyway, so this microphone is hanging from the ceiling. And so these microphones, the compressors are jacked up. And so what's happening is with a compressor on these microphones is that they're raising the quiet source super loud and they're bringing the loud source down super uh, by a lot. And so what that does is it makes it easier for you to hear people far off in the distance. And so these microphones were super compressed just so they could hear people talking in all the different live rooms. And so, and what's interesting is that this, these microphones weren't wired into the board. You couldn't record these microphones at the time. And so, so Hugh Padgham would be at the desk and say to Phil, okay, do that take again. And Phil would talk back to him and these microphones would pick it up. And, and then um, Hugh would hear it in the control room. When Phil was talking with Hugh, Hugh could hear these um, the drums coming through these super compressed microphones. And because there's no cymbals, it wasn't um, as aggressive and hard on the ears. And so there's these big toms and snare sounds that Hugh is hearing through these super compressed overhead microphones that were kind of crappy microphones and probably cre creating a, a really cool sound source. Okay, so this is where the story kind of splits a little bit between Hugh's version and Phil's version. And so Phil in his book talked about how he was in the drum room rehearsing and how the sound was going through the console and the gates on the console. Remember we talked about gates were just randomly set and they were set for probably the previous instrument. He was hearing these, these, these live overhead talkback mics going through the console and closing in on the, the toms super quickly. And Hugh said that this is where the story differs a little bit. Hugh said that they heard these sounds super compressed, which when a sound source is super compressed, it actually kind of creates this artificial reverb in a way because it brings up the room sound. And so when you hit a snare right here and then it bounces off the wall a split second later, that bounce and that sound that's far back over there is raised up really loud. And so it kind of makes a reverb sound in no matter what type of room you're in. And so Hugh said that they heard it, but it wasn't going through the console. And Phil said that it was going through the console. And that's how he heard it on his headphones and said, hey, I really like that. My guess is that this happened over a couple of days because Hugh said that they really liked the sound of the drums coming through these overhead mics. But the problem was is that they weren't wired through the console, through the SSL console, in order to be recorded straight to tape. So Hugh said after the first day, he told the engineers to take these microphones and wire them through the console so they could record it. And so that night they did, and the next morning they could record it. And so this is where I think the two stories maybe come together, is maybe on day two is now where Phil was playing these drums. He heard these overhead mics that were super squashed by the compressor. Now they're going into the SSL console. And this is where I think the gate maybe was set 
at a super conservative rate, a really low threshold, uh, and then uh, maybe a super uh, slow or super fast release time. And so my guess now is that they're hearing these super compressed microphones and these super compressed drums and then that are being chopped off. And this is how we get gated reverb. And now this is how gated reverb is attributed to Phil Collins. It's attributed to the Peter Gabriel sessions and it's attributed to the engineer Hugh Padgham who would go on to produce albums like um, Genesis Self-Titled and Invisible Touch. So this is really cool and, and, and what we don't have in the story and what I'd really like to find out is the interesting thing about gated reverb is that it evolved and it evolved from Phil Collins using it on Intruder and then in using it on In the Air Tonight and it was kind of a Tom effect. And then by No Jacket Required, it was really dramatic. I mean, it was probably at this point, that's how it was probably artificially created, where the sound source was sent to a reverb. Uh, I think at this time, by this time, AMS had, had created a standalone unit that allowed them to do it. But by the time we get to No Jacket Required, like Sue Studio... Um, or only you know and I know. The effect on snare is very dramatic. The effect on the, the Lindrum snare is very dramatic, and the effect on the toms are very dramatic, where it's a lot more subtle on In the Air tonight. So I'm really curious is how did it become their sound that they wanted to continue to use and honestly would continue to use for the rest of their careers in, in, in various ways, but how did they evolve that sound? So what Phil Collins songs can we hear it on? So I went through some Phil Collins songs. Obviously, In the Air tonight, we can hear a little bit on hand in hand. Uh, I don't care anymore. And through these walls, do you know? Do you care? Find a way to my heart. I heard it on. I wish it would rain down. And another day in paradise is a great example of it. The floor toms that you can hear at the beginning of the song are have a, a ton of drenched uh, reverb. So we also hear it on uh, Su Studio the most. I think Su Studio is a humongous example of hearing it. Only you know and I know right at the very beginning. Um, testify the song. Testify. Listen for it there. Ought to know by now. You can hear it both sides of the story right at the beginning and then maybe two worlds from Tarzan I think you can hear it a little bit Genesis you can hear it on No Son of Mine believe it or not Invisible Touch Tonight Tonight The Brazilian Mama of course Silver Rainbow a little bit Second Home by the Sea a little bit on 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 those are probably um, maybe Lindrums or Simmons Who Done It surprisingly a man on the corner and another record. Guess what's interesting? Um, modern times 90s drums sounded horrible sorry but at some point in in the mid like 2010, 2015, in that area, 80s sounds started coming back. And, and you know, this was a sound of the 80s and other people had used it and Hugh used it on other records and Phil was producing other people's records as well. And so maybe influencing that, Phil had huge records like with No Jacket Required. So a lot of people would have been trying to copy his sound. But in the 2015, 2016, 2017 time period in modern music, a lot of pop stars were trying to emulate that 80s sound. People like Carly Rae Jepsen is a huge example and Lord and even uh, um, Taylor Swift's record, they're using these super thick snares, super thick toms. In fact, even if you look at popular plugins, you can see there's presets for gated reverb or that 80s snare sound or 80s reverb sound. We hear it mostly in drums, snares and toms. We hear it in vocals. I've even tried it on piano because piano, what I did is I took this like transient shaper plugin and I reduced the decay and the sustain on a piano, and I didn't add any reverb because a piano has this natural reverb from inside of the, the piano that I was recording, and then I reduced the sustain on it, and it's pretty cool. It had this some sort of like gated reverb on a piano. So I, I'm curious if it's been used on other instruments, but you mostly hear it today a lot 
on snares. Uh, Hounds of Love from Kate Bush, The Louvre from Lord, Midnight City from M83, Don't Take the Money from Bleachers, Right Now from Haim, Haim uses it a lot recently, When I Needed You from Carly Rae Jepsen, Somebody Else from the 1975, and also Drake, Kanye West, Churches, and, and Prince. Prince did it as well on Purple Rain. So there you have it. It's so interesting to me that Gator Re- Reverb is so popular and used so much today. Um, and it, it's synonymous with Phil Collins and rightfully so because we're pretty sure Phil Collins invented it. We don't really have any other history to prove otherwise that Phil and Hugh, it's attributed a bit to Peter. I don't know if Peter would say that he had anything to do with it, but the fact that because it was his record and he said no symbols and he chose the studio and he chose the drummer and he chose the engineer, um, you got to give credit to Peter as well. But uh, Gated Reverb. My question to you is, do you have your favorite use of Gated Reverb? What's your favorite Phil Collins or Genesis song where you can hear Gated Reverb? Or what's your favorite song from the 80s or the 90s or from modern music that uses Gated Reverb? Thanks for watching. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode. If you want to find out more about the show, go to everythingphilcollins.com. Oh, and don't forget to subscribe and please leave a review of the show. That really helps.